German word for home that is Heimat. And basically it doesn't mean like home as such, like it means home in like a very abstract sense of like, this is where, like this is the soil in which like I have planted my roots basically. It's like, I think the way I would, like it's one of like those very classic, like untranslatable words. I think I like that. Like, I think I'm very grateful for knowing that I can put my feet down anywhere and in time, like, I will grow roots. But there's not, like, one place that, like, you know, calls me home. I'm Hannah. I'm 24. Um, and... I have Belgian citizenship, but I did most of my growing up in Germany. So I lived in uh, South Korea, Russia, Switzerland, Spain, the US, the UK, and now France. My passport says I'm Belgian, but I've spent more time living abroad in the US, Sweden, and China than living in my home country. This makes me a third culture kid, or TCK for short. This is a term coined by John and Ruth Seam in the 50s. In their book, TCK World, the official home of third culture kids, Ruth states that the term TCK was coined to refer to children who accompany their parents into another society. This definition is constantly undergoing change in our increasingly multicultural and globalized world. It can be narrowed down to someone who, as a child, has spent a significant period of time in one or more cultures other than their own thus integrating elements of those cultures and their own birth culture into a third culture. Even though this is a term that a lot of people can identify with, it's not really used as a label. So I think definitely European, and I think then beyond that, probably most like a global citizen, a citizen of nowhere, but then also of everywhere, but mainly from Europe. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I would stick to a more broad term. Global citizen, indeed, would uh, would be more something that I would like to be seen as. I mean, I definitely do identify with being a third culture kid. Um, thing is, like, I feel like sometimes you have to, like, say a nationality. So when it's in those situations, I would identify always as Spanish. But, like, if I'm surrounded by people who... Um, have traveled a lot or like lived abroad, I would maybe like refer to like myself as someone who's like kind of been brought up internationally. So kind of like a third culture kid, you know, like, um, but no one really says I'm a third culture kid, I feel so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You don't really say those words exactly. Home, nationality, culture. For some, these can easily be linked together to form an identity. For others, defining exactly who they are and where they came from isn't that simple. When I was in school, I never thought of labeling myself as anything other than Belgian. Until one day, this woman came in for a talk and said to us, you're a third culture kid. Suddenly, there was a common, oh, moment amongst all of us. That's what we are. My friends and I hang out on WhatsApp and FaceTime calls. So hearing my friends' voices through the phone makes me feel at home. I asked five friends, spread out over four time zones, who grew up across 17 countries, how they found meaning in their background and how they identify in terms of nation and culture. 
the disadvantages are, um, I remember when I was younger, it's less of a thing now, it's more when you're growing up and still trying to find your place, uh, is if you move around too often, you don't really have a place that you call home. Mm-hmm. So I know that, for example, when I was young, people would ask, oh, you know, where's home? And I would actually have to respond with, I'm not really sure myself because I've moved around so often that there's not really a place I can call home because I haven't been there long enough. So then it only makes sense that when people hear of the places we've lived, they get a bit confused and ask us, so where do you call home? And even though we understand the confusion, we don't really enjoy answering that question because to be honest, we're just as confused as you are. Oh, actually, I'm writing this essay about home. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my god, not again. I don't hate it, but I don't love it either. Because I feel like not everyone has like one home. So it's hard to just expect everyone to have one home. But I, you know, it's it's an understandable question. But I feel like it's a bit assuming that we all have one home when like some of us don't really have one home. What they're really asking is what choice would I make? Like what what they're asking of me in that moment, like either consciously or subconsciously is just like, oh, but what do you feel most as, you know? Are you mostly Belgian? Are you mostly German? So that's like why I tend to like take the easy way out and just go with like, oh, the European Union. Because I just don't have an answer. Like I don't know. Though we all recognize the privilege to experience different cultures and countries the way that we have, it doesn't mean that there aren't disadvantages that come along with it. Growing up, we lived in the moment, and the goodbyes were the hardest. However, now that we are more in control of our own narratives and our relocations, we struggle in creating a sense of belonging to one place. I mean, I have so many friends that are like, you know, this specific like patch of meadow, like these two streets, that is like where I belong, or that's like where people will understand me. And I don't think I have that. Or there's not like this one place that you kind of like, you, you drive into and you're just like, this place fundamentally gets me in a way that places only get you if you really were raced on that like particular patch of land i think so like all of the so i think that's like a disadvantage because like all of like the places that call me home are like very abstract metaphorical like constructs these abstract metaphorical concepts that we call home are built upon similar foundations as permanence is not a feeling to which many of us can relate to Home isn't a specific location, but rather people or family. I think something that is just constant and stable, which honestly I haven't had. You know, the New York apartment is temporary. Like everything's just kind of temporary right now. So the only home that I know of that has been the most stable and permanent is Hong Kong. So. I guess that's just what I would consider home just because it's it's like a reliable place to go back to. The people, the environment, my comfort level in the place where I'm currently staying, the general feel of the area, so the general kind of comfort of the area. I don't know, just the idea of there being places where I can like rest my bones almost, like such like a, there's like this, this like feeling of like homecoming that is so bone deep. Like, just like, you know, that bone deep feeling of like homecoming is one that I associate with people. Like, I don't associate it with places. 
and sometimes we find ourselves remembering old homes in fleeting moments. Scenes which represent childhood, particular smells or views, to which we can attach feelings of nostalgia. Home isn't necessarily something of the present, but continues living in our pasts as well. I feel like the people make a home for me, for sure. Mm -hmm. Like, my family makes home. So wherever my family, when we're together, you know, when I look back at my childhood, um, I think of, like, where we were together and what countries. And, yeah, that helps me, like, identify that my family is my home. I have a strong sense of where home is and like it's always where my family is so that could I guess like change at any time like I'm flexible to that and I mean I guess it's also tied with memory and childhood so like where I grew up as a child and that to me is Korea so I can like easily say that it's Korea. Being immersed in such a wide variety of cultures impacts the ways in which we behave as well. Our character traits those specific personality traits which are commonly associated in people from our home countries aren't always present or aren't visible enough for someone to easily associate us with that country. Some people may continue to move and never settle so they never have to be confronted by this issue and continue living with a broader label. With the accessibility of travel in the 21st century and increasing globalization came the opportunity to go abroad and quote unquote, discover yourself. Psychologist Greg Madison coined the term existential migration, which he describes as a voluntary emigration with an existential motivation as an attempt to find oneself. I think there's that pressure, like social pressure, to feel like you have to assimilate. Going back to your home country, you might not feel completely belonging to that community. Not because of the things you don't know. I feel like it's also the way people inside view you as a foreigner. You wouldn't actually notice that you are acting differently, but people will point out, oh, like you're doing this and that. I bet you don't know this, but this is how we do it. And that's kind of those moments that you're a bit different. Like, I, I, I mean, from my experience, like I feel like moving around to find your identity, like, um, it can help some people because like sometimes I feel like when they live in one like one like a t certain type of way and they get to break out of that shell and like live a different life in a different country like they do get to really ex like get to know themselves more but at the same time I feel like you don't really need to move so much to like identify who you are it's experience that shapes your identity more than where you live don't expect them moving to solve things because I remember, like, growing up in Germany, like, I was always a Belgian girl. And then when I first moved back to Belgium and I was studying there, I was so surprised and, like, so disheartened and, like, so sad because, like, all of a sudden I was like, you know, I'm going to go back and now no one's, like, going to see me as, like, this this other anymore. And then I realized that, like, I was still, like, you know, did, I was just a German girl in Belgium, so like don't yeah don't like i'm if i think like find your people and don't expect the identity thing to be solved geographically you give meaning to it like it's a narrative like you figure out for yourself so like it's not like some like meaning isn't inherent in this like you give it to it fragmented identities are a commonality amongst the younger generation but that doesn't mean it isn't possible to extract all of the good that it has brought into our lives and how it has even shaped the way in which we continue to live in the future. Uh, the big advantage is you learn a lot about different cultures. So you're not 
just living in you know the the small bubble environment of your own culture your own you know personal country but you actually learn a lot about different people how they interact with others how to interact with others yourself uh how to be more open towards other people's uh cultural identities mm-hmm. and also how to just accept people for who they are more than they how they differ from you for WNSR this was culturally estranged by Isabel de Munich honestly like it even comes to the point where I'm like if i ever have kids i'm not sure i could just let them grow up in one country like guys we're leaving <laughs> it's a fundamental part of your mother's identity that you won't understand <laughs> unless we move um no i wouldn't wouldn't change a thing i was so angry at my parents for moving us and i'm so quietly grateful they did